Hi, my name is Kate Santangelo. Welcome to the Monmouth Moms podcast, part of the Monmouth Moms Network. Listen in as we bring awareness to the best local resources for growing families in Monmouth County, New Jersey, chat with local moms and mompreneurs, highlight our favorite resources, local spots, restaurants, and more. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Mammoth Moms podcast. We are here in the thick of holiday season here at Bell Works. I was just doing a little shout out on Instagram in my car before I came into the um, studio ch- chatting about how uh, I do this every year about like just being behind with shopping. And I think that's just who I am. I'm just going to embrace it because it's always like a week and a half prior and it's, I don't have my act together, so it's fine. It'll all come together, but um, definitely in the thick of like, like a lot of tasks that need to, I feel like every year it gets more intense. It's just like all the things that need to be accomplished and the events that need to be attended. <laughs> it's all good things. Like I hate complaining about it because there's like joy, you know, it's all joy and great and, you know, everyone's healthy and like, it's, it's good. It's all good things, but it's like, it's a lot to, you know, but anyway, um, so that's my rant about the holiday season. Um, today, we have two guests um, from Shape to Success, Cassie Metz and Diana Duffner. Thank you for joining. Um, Shape Thank to you. Success is a um, delivers quality applied behavior analyst, uh, analysis um, services to support children and their families diagnosed with ASD and developmental disabilities. Um, you reached out, um, I guess, like a couple months ago to chat about mm-hmm. all the incredible resources that you offer families in our community. Um, it's a topic that we haven't talked about before on the podcast, so I was really eager to have you on. I'm glad that we were finally able to coordinate our schedules and, yeah. and have you on. So thank you for joining. Thank you for having us. Um, tell me a little bit about where you're from, both of you, and how Shape to Success came to be. Okay. Um, so I am Cassie. I am. I have a good mix of New York and New Jersey in me. Great. Um, born in Brooklyn, moved to Jersey. I'm from Marlboro. Oh. Went to Marlboro High School, um, and then in my 20s, moved back to New York, okay. moved back to Jersey, and now I am in Staten Island. Okay. Yes. And what about you, Diana? Um, I was born and raised in New Jersey, uh-huh. um, lived in Monroe growing up, and then moved to the Red Bank area um, after I got married. So, you know, between the two of us, we've been all around New Jersey, New York, um, and it's allowed us to kind of expand our business, I think, from Middlesex and Monmouth County. Okay. Um, And what is your background? Yeah, so I started right out of college. Mm -hmm. Um, In college, had like a passion for working with individuals with special Mm -hmm. needs, um, got a psychology degree, and then graduated, um, provided uh, school-based ABA services Mm -hmm. to children and young adults, Um, did that for many years, decided to get my BCBA while I was there. after I got my BCBA, we transitioned to um, another um, program that provided in-home and community-based uh, ABA therapy, and then really followed my passion. Um, that's when I met Cassie, actually, back in 2016, I think mm-hmm. it was, um, and really, really just had a passion for opening a center-based program. So okay. with the company that we used to work with, um, we were able to open up a center-based program. Um, and then, unfortunately, the center-based program um, and all that kind of closed during COVID. Everyone was in a difficult situation. Yeah. So um, at that time, we had a lot of families, a lot of staff, a lot of children that needed services. So we kind of decided at that time that we had 
an option to open Shape to Success and, and transition a lot of our families and staff over to Shape to Success. Oh, wow. Um, it was crazy times for everyone. We made it work. <laughs> um, but we really just felt like there was a need and really couldn't walk away from it. So um, during that time, we opened up Shape to Success and got the doors open in July, mm-hmm. um, which was a really challenging time for many of the kids that we served. They weren't in school. So trying to open up uh, in-person uh, therapy was really important for them at that time. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, yeah. So that's quite the learning curve to not only like yeah. start a, a new business and also be in like a, in the middle of a global pandemic with children, you know, with kids that are that need usually structure, I'd imagine, right? And like yes, kind of a routine absolutely. and the, not having the you know ability to to <clears throat> access that at the time. So, um, so what was that like? Yeah, so it kind of happens overnight. Um, essentially, um, we made a decision and, you know, we are the type of people that we try to make, um, decisions within the best interests of us and others and kind of, um, you know, we, we said we can't let these families just, you know, be during COVID. We have to figure something out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we decided that this is something that we were going to pursue. Um, and, and we worked rather quickly, rather hard um, to figure out how to how to make this work as best as possible. And following all the protocols during COVID yeah. and, and all of that, um, a lot of the kids are still doing remote schooling. So trying to collaborate with schools um, and their teachers remotely and trying to facilitate um, as best we could, mm-hmm. um, helping them get through their school day remotely if we had to, um, and then providing the supplemental instruction, again, while keeping everyone safe. Um, and, and we were able to do that. And that's why I think we've been able to continue to grow. Um, and, and a lot of our families and staff really appreciated that and, and really worked with us. We couldn't have done it without them either. So we really worked collaboratively to make sure that services stayed in place uh-huh. um, and that the kids continued to receive what they needed. So there was staff in place already there or not so much? A lot of them. Okay. Um, some some people had to leave for you know personal reasons and mm-hmm. everything. But a lot of the staff were in place mm-hmm. um, and they trusted us to continue with us. And then we were able to grow and onboard a lot more staff during that time as well. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, fast forward to almost 2024. So you're in Titton Falls and Spotswood. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, we opened Titton Falls um, two years almost ago. Just, yeah, two okay. years almost ago. like two years ago. We okay. opened Titton Falls. Um, and tell me a little bit about the services that you offer. So I know there's ABA um, and then I'll, you mentioned some um, teen nights and different resources for parents. So there's probably a lot that we can talk about, but um, what are some of the resources yeah, available? Absolutely. So we provide um, primarily ABA therapy mm-hmm. to children who have a diagnosis of autism. We service children, we like to say as young as two, but essentially really when they do get that diagnosis, um, all the way up until I think our oldest right now is 21 years old. Okay. Um, so it is a one-to-one service. So for every child, there is a staff member that wow. is assigned to work with them. Okay. Um, it is all individualized based on the child's individual um, goals, objectives. Um, and we create all that by doing an individualized assessment. Um, we work with all the insurance companies within the state of New Jersey. Um, but that's primarily what we do. In addition to we are starting a team night. Um, our first team night is going to be January, I think the first weekend of January, we said. Oh. Um, and it's something that we are going to try to do monthly mm-hmm. um, for children or teens 13 to 19 years old right now. Um, our first one will be at our Titten Falls center. And what was the reasoning behind starting the teen night? Yeah. So a lot of times um, 
we get calls from families asking for social skills groups or asking for events or activities for their children or young adults to participate in. And there's a lot of stuff for little kids, you know, two, three, four, five, six-year-olds, a lot of mommy and me's, a lot of activities, and, and which are all fantastic resources. Um, but sometimes there's um, a, a shortage of services for that teenage population, um, whether or not they have an autism diagnosis or maybe they're just another developmental disability. Um, it really gives them an opportunity to come together to engage in social, fun social activities, um, you know, getting them together on a Friday night to have you know dinner together, have participate in activities, whether it's watching a movie or having a dance, um, karaoke, whatever it might be, just to let them have fun, socialize with one another, um, and really get them to get, kind of get out of their house and have a safe place to have fun with some of their peers. And probably a space that they're already, you know, kind of used to, to coming to, but mm -hmm. also can look forward to something that is not just about, you know, the therapies that they need to receive, right? And just enjoy yeah. being and with their peers. The nice thing, too, is that some of our um, kids who might receive services with us have extended the offer or the invite to some of their friends. Oh. So it's not only just, you know, the people that we serve, but now they've extended it to bring in some of their own friends. So some of them have some common interests already, which will, I think, make it a lot of fun. So we're really excited about um, being able to just keep expanding and growing that okay. as well. Um, Harla from the speech, um, the speech tree was on recently. Mm -hmm. And um, to those who have already heard that episode, she talked a lot about um, the need, right, for, for resources mm -hmm. and such, because the, you know, the children grow out of, you know, the resources available to them. And then there's really not a lot for like the older kids and early, young adults, too. Yeah. Um, so I think that's great. And, you know, yeah. that's good. It's great that we're getting the word out about and it. And it's also, you know, meeting the need. I think our mm -hmm. biggest things that we always say, um, when we were in Middlesex County, we kept getting calls from Monmouth County. So we tried to meet the needs of the community. So if there's not resources in Monmouth County, we expanded to Monmouth County. Mm -hmm. We kept getting calls for services for teenage, that teenage group um, related services that might, you know, maybe they don't have right now. So that was really why we extended it to the teen night. Okay. Um, so really just kind of meeting the needs of what the calls are that are we get asking. and whatever yeah. the parents are asking, whatever the families need is really what we're there for. Okay. So let's backtrack a little bit. Um, <clears throat> we'll, um, elaborate a little bit on what ABA therapy is um, and kind of, you know, for parents that are maybe in the early stages or maybe thinking that their children may be autistic or there might be something that is needs to be addressed, um, you know, what, what they can do and how they how they get to you, right? What are the steps to, to get to you? Because I know um, they need the diagnosis first, but what mm -hmm. does that look like? Sure. So um, families do come to us with mm -hmm. an autism diagnosis. Some do not. So some of the families say, you know, um, my child is exhibiting some um, behaviors that I am concerned of. Can, you know, they receive services from you? Mm -hmm. And we always say, does your child have an autism diagnosis? And if they say no, we say, okay, this is how we can help you. Um, and we will refer them to developmental pediatricians who can assist them. Whether that child has autism or any developmental disability, um, the developmental pediatrician would be the person to go to who can assist with providing an appropriate diagnosis. Okay. What is the earliest age children are diagnosed with autism or youngest age? It I, varies. Yeah. Um, I would say the earliest that we have seen is around 16 months oh, wow. um, that someone okay. has received a diagnosis. 
typically I would say it's usually around that two to two and a half mm-hmm. year old range, um, but it really depends on the individual child. Um, that's where the developmental pediatrician would determine whether or not through their, you know, through their assessments if they feel like an autism diagnosis is the appropriate diagnosis or if there might be something else, um, some other delay. Mm-hmm. And then they might, you know, reevaluate it when the child turns two or two and a half. So it does vary. Got it. Okay. We were talking a little bit about how um, there's not Asperger's diagnosis anymore. Now it's kind of all <clears throat> under the autism umbrella um, and different, mm-hmm. I guess, on the spectrum, correct? Yeah. Um, but is it ever diagnosed later in, in life? Like where maybe children, there's something missed or something that was like, I don't want to say neglected, but just mm-hmm. something that like... Um, uh, you know, for, for older children that um, parents come to you as well? Yeah, we actually saw a lot more of that, I think, after COVID, mm-hmm. interestingly enough. Um, we started seeing that, that we were getting referrals for um, children and young adults in like the 12, 13-year-old range oh, um, that had just been recently diagnosed. So we have seen a little bit of an increase in the ages that okay. some children have been diagnosed. Um, and so, we, you know, we process is the same. They would still continue to go to the developmental pediatrician um, or the neurologist sometimes um, to get that diagnosis. And then we would uh, provide the ABA services the same way that we would for some of our younger children. Okay. Initially. And what um, is what's entailed in ABA therapy and services that you offer? Yeah. So once an individual gets their diagnosis and they come to us, you know, looking for a lot of times will be referred to by the developmental pediatricians. Mm -hmm. And then every one of the children gets assigned to like a a board certified behavior analyst who then would do an initial assessment to really determine what their deficits are, what their strengths are and really what what the individual child or young adult needs um, in their program. Okay. Once the assessment is done, um, we really work collaboratively with the parents, with the family, with the uh, related service providers to develop their goals and objectives mm-hmm. for a really, again, individualized treatment plan, mm-hmm. making sure that the behavior support plan is decreasing some maladaptive behaviors that they might be displaying, but really ultimately teaching those appropriate replacement skills. So it's not just about suppressing behavior, but really teaching them appropriate alternatives to help them communicate. How to manage those behaviors. Yeah, coping skills, all the things that, you know, they need to help them be the best they can be. I right. think is really what the purpose of it is. Okay. Um, and then all of their goals and objectives are individualized, monitored, maintained on a regular basis. Um, data is collected. And the nice thing about um, Shape to Success, we do have a behavioral health software that the parents have access to at all times. So if they log in, the child session ends at 4.30 and the parents log in at 4.32, they'll see exactly what was worked on during what that session, made. the progress, mm-hmm. okay. um, which allows for a lot of collaboration, I think, even for parent training. Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of work with the families and, and offer parent training on a regular basis. So that way the parents can log in to see the exact same thing that we see and we can have a really in-depth teaching conversation Mm -hmm. about what we're working on, what can be worked on in the home, and really, you know, how well their child or young adult is doing. Okay. Uh, we've talked a lot about, re- I also mentioned recently, this is, wasn't actually even planned this way, but there's been a common theme in the last few um, episodes of our podcast with um, talking about ADHD, talking about um, speech therapy, and um, a general kind of consensus of advocating for your children, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, if you spot something that isn't, um, you know, in your gut feeling right, um, you know, the process of going through that, you know, with um, the different uh, resources with available to the community. But once you do get that diagnosis um, 
advocating for your child through school, right? Um, so IEP meetings and um, different resources available within the schools. Can you speak to that? Um, it, what What is available to parents? I know you talked about um, perhaps um, joining in, in on IEP meetings mm -hmm. and then also um, why it's important for parents to send um, their children to like a, a private practice such as yours and, you know, kind of what, how, how to help them. Yeah, sure. I think, I think that collaborating with schools is super important. Um, Cassie and I spend just as so much time sometimes on the phone with schools and speech therapists and OTs and PTs as we do with some of the families. Mm -hmm. um, collaborating with those um, child study teams to making sure that everyone's on the same page. You know, you don't want to have a different behavior plan at school and a completely different plan at the center or in home. Mm -hmm. And that consistency, I think, is really important. Yeah, because they dictate that one meeting can dictate like how the whole year goes and then getting it amended really is like a whole, depending sure. on the district, it's like, you know, it can be sure. a big headache. So you really want to make yeah. sure that everyone is on the same team with the plan. Sure. Especially if I'm teaching a child how to follow, um, you know, a treatment plan a certain way and, mm -hmm. and, and school is teaching them a different way. It's kind of confusing, mm -hmm. right? Um, so just making sure everything um, and everybody is on the same page that we are implementing the same teaching procedures. Okay. Um, do all children with autism go to um, additional therapies after school? Is that kind of consistent for each child or is, does it vary? I think yeah. it depends. It gonna, definitely depends. I was going to say, it, it definitely does vary. Okay. So commonly, you know, a lot of our children, in addition to receiving ABA, do get speech or OT or, or PT. Okay. It's definitely not required by any means. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the developmental pediatricians or their regular pediatrician or sometimes even the school services might say to them, you know, maybe you, you can benefit from additional ABA therapy mm -hmm. or an additional service. Um, and sometimes that means three days a week for two hours a day that they might come to us. I see. Um, it really depends on what their goals are and really what their needs are. Um, if they are able to, sometimes the families want them to be participating more in community-based activities that maybe they can't do. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe that something that we work on. You know, one day a week is out in the community. One day a week might be in home and one day a week might be in our center. Mm -hmm. um, so it really is individualized based off whatever their needs are. Um, if they do receive services after school, um, again, that's where we kind of step in and collaborate with all of their other providers because they typically do, or a lot of the kids that we serve do also receive speech. Um, and so it's a, it's a busy schedule for them. So trying to also not overwork mm -hmm. a lot of the kids that we that we work with, but trying to make it work for their family. So making their schedules with us work with other providers that they're seeing. Okay, um, it's definitely not a requirement, but it's encouraged, especially right. early on. Um, a lot of the research shows that the sooner that children and young adults can get access to behavioral therapy, um, especially ABA, the better the results mm -hmm. and the better the outcome. Um, so it is nice to see families and, and children attending as much as they can, as early as they can. I think. Got it. Okay. Um, I know with uh, speech therapy, with my my experience with my son, I it, it went through the seat. You know, it was a very long time ago, um, and there were resources available to him through through New Jersey. Um, is there anything similar to that for um, for children with autism, and how does that all work? Yeah, so you can receive, I believe, ABA services through uh, Perform Care mm -hmm. um, through the state of New Jersey. So I know there is an application process that, that the parents and families have to go th go through, mm -hmm. and they can receive ABA services through through the state as well. Okay.
Um, what are some of the things that um, parents should keep in mind? I know you mentioned that you offer um, resources just for parents, right, to kind of yeah. how to help them navigate and manage their daily, um, you know, their routines, right, yeah. and such. Um, and what does that look like? So I think when families call us, um, even if we're not providing services or ABA services to them, we always try to give them guidance. A lot of times they get a diagnosis and it's kind of, well, what next? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where to go or I don't know what to do. So giving them the guidance and, and kind of telling them, directing them, maybe it's to back to their pediatrician, maybe it's having another conversation with their school teacher, or maybe it is that they are eligible um, and ABA therapy would be appropriate for mm-hmm. their child, and then we can help them with the onboarding process. Once a family does receive services with us, we work really closely with the family to provide the parent training, like I mentioned before, um, as often as once a week, trying to really get them to understand what we're doing and to teach them. It's all about teaching. It's teaching the staff. It's teaching and training the families, teaching and training everyone so that we're able to provide the best quality intervention, I think, um, to everyone that we serve. And then I think after that, it's maintaining. So going into the home, providing that services. You know, if they could do something at the center, that's great. Or at the community, that's great. But making sure they could also do that stuff in the home. So carrying over the services and the intervention that we provide into the family's home. Um, We are also becoming crisis trained to train parents. We provide current crisis training to all of our staff uh, and so all of the BCBAs and supervisors, but taking that one step further now, training the families um, in crisis training so they feel safe and they have the tools and, and resources in their toolbox to be able to best serve their their child as right. well. Right, because you mm-hmm. mentioned your staff is crisis trained, and they mm-hmm. you know they they yeah. they do this every day, and they probably see a lot mm-hmm. of different behaviors. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but but parents, you know, they don't know like how to handle a situation. I wouldn't know how to handle a situation right. that got you know maybe it's got a little out of control. So yeah. Um, and so again, about the carry the carryover, the generalization. I yeah, think I was going to say, um, all of our staff are trained in. Um, they are all crisis trained, so okay. they they all know de escalation procedures. But a lot of our families don't. Mm-hmm. So that is something that we plan on offering families um, come early twenty twenty four. Is doing some more um, crisis training with some of our families. Okay. And again, it's really the, the need. We've gotten a lot of calls about it. Mm-hmm. So uh, trying to meet the needs of the community and really meeting. You know, we're only there to to serve the families. In, in, the, in the community. So if they have a need that's not being met, it's our job as clinicians to try to figure out how to help them and give them the resources, whether it's with us or with someone else. Um, if we can't serve them, we always try to refer to a provider that might be able to help them a little bit better, whether, again, that's a speech therapist, an OT, a feeding therapist, mm-hmm. whoever might be able to, to help them with the specific need that they have at that time. Interesting. Um, are there, so we talked a little bit about offering teen night and kind of um, resources for the children as they grow, right, and, and develop and hopefully, you know, flourish, you know, in the, with their diagnosis. Um, uh, are there resources for, um, for parents and obviously their children as they grow into their early adulthood for, you know, entering possibly the workforce or, um, you know, kind of like a plan for like entering adulthood? There sure. are a lot of resources out there. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's is. a lot of webinars, especially. Uh-huh. Um, that's kind of like our first uh, go-to, if you if you will, of referrals for them. We always direct parents to go to like the Autism New Jersey website. Mm-hmm. There's tons of resources on that website for mm-hmm. the post-21, navigating um, budgets and DDD and, and all of those more complex programs that they have to enter. Um, there are some also some workforce 
programs out there as well for over 21. Okay. Um, we aren't specialized, specialized in that by any means, but we definitely try to learn um, and, and inform ourselves so that way we are able to better inform some of the families as to where to go to get those resources. Point them in the yeah. right direction. Yeah. Interesting. Autism New Jersey is a fantastic resource. Okay. So um, for families who are kind of struggling, struggling or trying to figure out how to navigate that 21 and over process, Autism New Jersey would be probably what I would recommend for them, for okay. sure. And they're the fantastic advocates. Mm-hmm. They're always pushing and advocating for for kids as early as they get their diagnosis all the way through their entire life because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not necessarily going away. So services just don't stop mm-hmm. um, trying to get them the continued services that they need. Okay. Um, so, yes, yeah, great resources, Autism New Jersey. Do uh, children continue to see a developmental pediatrician as they grow older or do they say a regular one or does it depend? They routinely see the developmental pediatrician. A lot of times, um, even with us working with the insurance companies, they want to see updated evaluations. I see. Um, And we do work with, like I said, the developmental pediatricians pretty closely just to um, stay in touch with them if needed about some of the progress or we get the updated reports um, or assessment tools that were being used. The families will provide us with that as well. So it's an ongoing process to see, you know, where they where they started from and, and see all the progress that they have made. And um, it's really nice to hear from families, you know, they went to the doctor and the doctors are so impressed with all the progress that they made mm-hmm. or really impressed with maybe the language that has emerged. Um, a lot of the a lot of the time it's again a collaborative mm-hmm. approach. So all of us working together to see a positive outcome, I think, is the ultimate goal. Interesting. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about before the before we jumped on about um, changes, right? In and with children and aut- with, with autism, and um, have you noticed like different developmental trends or different like um, di- you know how kids are being diagnosed? Um, you know, any progress in terms of like how you know being able to even when you started this, right? 10, mm-hmm. 10 15, yeah. 20 years ago, with um, getting into working with children and how. Um, uh, you mentioned like even ABA therapy has changed a lot. So yeah. what what um, advancements have we made? So I think the um, qualifications to have an autism diagnosis based on the DSM have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it used to be a little bit more looser. Um, now, um, I believe in order to get an autism diagnosis, you have to meet two of the three areas. Um in terms of what we see in, in terms of trends of what children um, behaviors are exhibiting, we see everything. Um, we, we work with children who engage in severity of behaviors. So mm-hmm. um, you name it, we've, we've worked with it. So okay. um, a lot of the families, you know, will call us and say, my child does this. You know, do you have experience working with this type of behavior? Um, you know, nine out of ten times we do. Um, so we do work with a wide range of children who engage in, you know, um, disruptive behaviors. Okay. There definitely has been, like we said before, a little bit more of a older, some of the older children getting a diagnosis of autism is a little bit newer. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, in, or in the past experience, it's been a, a little bit um, earlier on, closer to like that two, three, four, five years of age. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's also a, a nice shift towards a lot more naturalistic teaching. Mm-hmm. There's not, it's not so much about sitting at a table and running discrete trial all the time. There, you know, there are times where things have to be done at, you know, at a tabletop or a desk, but it's really about teaching communication in a more naturalistic approach, I think. Um, a lot of families are a little bit scared or timid, I should say, about mm-hmm. starting ABA because of their what they've heard about it from you know decades ago. But the research has really shown that a lot more of the teaching procedures that are being done now, um, again, a lot more of that naturalistic teaching, a lot more of that small group instruction, a lot more of on the move 
teaching and learning has really helped decrease a lot of those disruptive behaviors and really, again, taught a lot of those replacement skills, whether that be initiating greetings or communicating or reciprocal conversations with peers, um, whether that's tossing a ball back and forth at the pier or playing a board game, whatever the skill might be that's being taught, I think it's a lot less rigid Mm -hmm. and a lot more naturalistic teaching um, is is the approach that we that we take and really just making sure that it's quality services Um, the autism new jersey and a lot of the um, resources out there have gotten a lot stricter or are trying to push a lot more licensing um, a lot more requiring a lot more training and certifications for the therapists that are providing the therapy i think that's really important Mm -hmm. to make sure that everyone is really qualified to be working with the individuals that they're serving okay uh, if you're a parent and you see your child exhibiting certain symptoms that maybe you just think are they're not, you know, developing properly or they're not behaving the way that you would, um, you know, that you would imagine them to at that age. Um, what are some of those like signs that, you know, you should look out for? And what are some things that you would say to parents like, you know, got, kind of going through that? Because I'm sure it's very stressful and just very, you know, kind of a, yeah. an alarming time in um, for, you know, in your parenthood journey um, and stressful. So, um, you know, talk to me about kind of what you tell parents at that point. Sure. I think some of the signs that, you know, to look out for would be if your child is engaging in a lot of rigidity or repetitive behaviors. Um, You know, if your child is not making vocalizations, um, eye contact is huge. Um, So things like that I would definitely be on the lookout for. Um, You know, we do have families who call us and I think, you know, express those concerns. And the best thing to do would be follow up with a developmental pediatrician. Mm. Um, They would be the ones who can then provide that you know, um, assessment, that proper tool to provide you with a, a diagnosis. Um, but those would be, I would believe, would be some of the signs to look out for. Okay. Um, like you said before, trust in your gut. Yeah. So if you go someplace and, and you're not getting the response that you're looking for, or maybe you are concerned about something, maybe it's not an autism diagnosis, but maybe um, it's something else, or maybe there's just a developmental delay or a delay in some other areas, there's other services that they your child can get access to early on. Um, so I would say never ignore something if you have a concern mm-hmm. about it. Definitely always reach out to your pediatrician, reach out to the developmental pediatricians, and try to get the services that they need um, as early as possible so you see the best results. There are also um, schools in Monmouth County that um, specialize in um, the, the needs of autistic mm-hmm. children, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, can we speak a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so a lot of times the schools, the child, once they get a diagnosis, um, whether they're getting related service or not, um, they'll be in their school district and a lot of times they'll get an IEP. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there's like a preschool disabled program that the younger children may attend mm-hmm. and there's an IEP. Um, if either the parent or the school or someone has decided that maybe the school district at that time can't meet the needs Mm -hmm. of the child for whatever reason. Um, That's a lot of times where the out-of-district placements will come come into play. Um, Again, whether it's parent-initiated or school-initiated, and the child may receive uh, more intensive services at that school that specializes in autism or developmental disabilities. Are they all public schools? Um, no, a lot of them Some are of private, private schools. Yeah, okay. a lot of them are out of district are either private schools um, or sometimes they're um, monitored or run by the county. Got it. So okay. there is uh, a few different variations of it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I touched a little bit on, you know, parents kind of going through this, especially if you're in the early stages. What do you say to parents to kind of, you know, um, 
you know, just help them through this time of, you know, kind of getting accustomed to a new normal, essentially, um, of, of helping them and, and, you know, advocating for their for their kids. Yeah, it's definitely overwhelming, I mm-hmm. think. And a lot of times we get families, like Cassie said earlier, like with the initial call, like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Um, we're there to help them. We're there to try to work as closely as we can with the family to guide them mm-hmm. um, to definitely as best as possible within reason, but making sure that we are talking to them, not just about what goals and, and strengths and deficits have been identified through the assessment, but really what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes things aren't necessarily show up on an assessment that we're doing, but maybe a family has some things that they want their child to do more of or do less of. So we really work closely and have a pretty extensive intake process to, to make sure we're meeting the needs of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as they are open to working with us, we are definitely open and, and receptive to working with them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, even set the goals and objectives that were worked on during the first month or first few weeks are not what we're working on, you know, two months later. Maybe their, their needs and their goals have completely changed. So it's an ongoing process. It's an ongoing collaboration. The parent training part, we can't stress it enough how important parent training is. Um, the more that there's collaboration and communication between the registered behavior technicians, the BCBAs, the families, the related service providers, um, the better we're all, the better the outcome. You know, we're all really working together for the same end goal. So we try to alleviate some of their stress and and, and let them know that we are here to help them. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned uh, teen night and also um, crisis training for parents in 2024. What are some of your other goals that you have um, in store for the new year? Yeah, I think expanding um, our centers is definitely something in the future um, for us. I think our biggest thing, like Cassie said, is the teen night, um, starting that in January, the parent crisis training starting that in February, um, and really just expanding to the meet, to meet the needs of the individuals. We've had a lot of calls um, for other local counties or towns, um, so trying to see you know, if there's a need there that we can we could serve them as well. Yeah, and I think continuing to provide quality services. Mm-hmm. We're very much about providing quality services and really meeting the needs, like we've been talking about, of the families and what really serves that child. Um, I think we are still small enough um, where we know all the families. So just oh. because they're not on um, my caseload, they might be on Diana's caseload or some of our other BCB's caseload, we really try to keep it um, inclusive um, and really just hearing what our families want and how can we best serve how can we best serve them yeah not just about quantity you know it's not just about making sure that we could serve as many kids as fast as possible Mm -hmm. obviously you want to meet the needs and you want to be able to serve as many children as possible but really Mm -hmm. making sure that the quality of services never decreases um we have a lot of trainings planned for 2024 for our staff um so making sure that they are all um up to date on all of their evaluations and rbt certifications and making sure that our staff are also really qualified Mm -hmm. to be running the services it's not just about the BCBAs having their certification, but also the direct staff that are working. They're the ones that are implementing the therapy that we are training them to implement. So we just need to make sure everybody is providing quality services at all times. Right. You're doing incredible work. It's so admirable yeah. and, you know, so interesting to, to learn about when, um, you know, when you, you don't know what to do and if you have a family member kind of going through this. So um, where can everyone find you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we have a website, Mm -hmm. shapetosuccess.com. We have an Instagram, 
mm-hmm. Facebook that they can follow us mm-hmm. on and, and look for more resources. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also on a few different directories within Monmouth County. Um, on, they can find us on the Autism Speaks website as well okay. as Autism New Jersey's directory um, mm-hmm. for, for services. And then we are always you know, using our social media. We'll be putting the teen night out um, mm-hmm. for families if they are interested um, to fill out the forms and get that back to us. So we're really excited for what's in store for the rest of this year, but especially next year, I think. Yeah, sounds like an exciting year for sure. Yeah. Um, I'll also link everything in this episode so you can uh, find Shape to Success on the website. And if you have any questions, we'll obviously <clears throat> we'll direct you. Um, thank you so much for joining us. This has been great. Thank I, you. I, I hope that um, some parents out there can uh, find some solace in, in you know, helping their children and um, getting any help and resources that they need. Uh, coming up in 2024, which is crazy. I can't believe it's like basically here in two weeks or so. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's gone so um, fast. And uh, we have a lot in store for 2024 as usual. I've talked a lot about the Mammoth Mom Summit. Um, we will probably do a special episode to just, just chat a little bit about the incredible guests that we're having on. I, I'm like kind of just in awe of like how it's all come together and this incredible women in the community who are going to come and speak on different panels and um, breakout sessions and uh, all kinds of cool seminars to inspire women in different paths in their lives. So whether you're a mompreneur or a uh, working professional in the corporate world and just need some um, just some inspiration and, you know, to kind of come together and, and uh, you know, hear stories from women who have climbed that corporate ladder or who have maybe perhaps left their corporate role and started their own business, like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like the um, two amazing women next to me. Or um, you're a mom who maybe you're out of the workforce because that was incredibly important to you to be home with your children when they were little. And now, you know, maybe they're older and you're looking to go back into the workforce or your circumstances have changed or you're stuck and you really want to, you know, kind of make some changes within your life. Um, I think, you know, I've been in a bunch of those different scenarios at different times. And I think that, you know, different stages within your life, you know, is, um, you know, doesn't define who you are and that more is possible and that you can um, really strive to, um, you know, to be the the best person that, you know, that that you can be. So um, we're really excited to bring more information. Ticket sales will start um, uh, probably the second week of January. Um, But we have great things in store, networking, different universities are coming um, to to, um, bring all kinds of resources that they have available. Also, great um, grant programs uh, through the state. So stay tuned for that. Um, That's uh, Thursday, April 11th, 2024, actually here at Bellworks, too. Uh, Love this place, clearly. (laughs) It's here. Um, and, um, And more. And uh, also coming in the new year, our fitness and wellness guide to start out the new year strong and healthy. And um, our littles guide, we have all kinds of cool stuff coming out for newborns and mommy and me classes. Um, so a new year and lots of fun things, all kinds of uh, all kinds of, of uh, resources available to Mammoth moms in the community. Um, so stay tuned for that and more. I hope everyone's enjoying the holiday season and we will see you soon.